Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 351 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So we are sort of continuing a conversation that we started last week, where last week we went loosely room by room in in our houses or like in in the Mm -hmm. typical house. And we talked about little ways to save money um, room by room, but we left out a very important room. And that is... Well, we got to the kitchen and then we stopped. (laughs) We're like, we don't have time for this. I mean, the kitchen is its whole... I would say it's like the place where maybe you don't spend the most money on any given item. But definitely the most consumables, right? Like the most things are coming in and going out and being literally digested by your family. And so you have a lot of control in that room. Um, It it like ostensibly, but it's hard to keep it under control. Well, that and in addition, I, I would I'm thinking about the things we talked about in the other rooms. We talked about things like streaming services and decor and clothes and kids toys and office supplies and not to be like super negative, but if a financial crisis happened to one of our families, many of those things could be slashed from the budget for as a stopgap while, you know, while a family got back on their feet. Whereas the things that we consume in the kitchen, of course, food, um, but also things like water and dishes and like packing lunches. And, you know, it's, it's not arguably not very um, like expendable. Right. And I think one thing that I have also struggled with is that food feels like the kind of thing you can get completely locked down. And then all it takes is like a kid changing preferences, age, um, schedules, shifting, uh, like a lot of things like it's touchy and I'm still trying to get, we'll talk about this a little bit later. My mindset wrapped around my new lifestyle opposed to, as opposed to like the five kids, you know, the five young kids at home lifestyle that I had years ago, like six years ago, it's very different shopping the way I do now. Um, and we're all in the middle of an inflationary situation, which yeah. is complicating it even more. And, and we've kind of mentioned uh, a few times over the last few months about how incremental and kind of sneaky food inflation can be because you might, unless you're watching your budget really, really carefully, or you really have a good lockdown on like how much things cost, it might, you might not notice it the first time you go to the store and it's more, you might not notice it the second time. Sometimes the package sizes change and you're like, huh, you didn't really notice that suddenly a bag of chips that was $3, still $3, but there's like 75% of the chips in it. And you don't always notice that stuff right away. It takes a little while, unless you're really keeping an eye on it, to even notice it's happening. And then when you do, you can't unsee it. Then it's like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned that you had a statistic or did some Mm. reading on this because I feel like inflation is one of those words we throw out. We sound sound really smart. I'm like, do we have anything to back that up? But people keep saying inflation (laughs) um, and I'm just going to jump on that word. No, I actually found an article because I I like probably 
four or five months ago was like, wait a second now. I know for a fact I used to be able to go find ground beef for like three bucks a pound. It wasn't like the good ground beef. But if I really wanted to make like some cheap nachos or something, I could do that. And then suddenly like I could no longer do that. No matter how hard I tried, no, like, no matter how, you know, I was like shopping sales and I thought something's going on. Well, I wasn't wrong. My spidey sense was correct. Um, but I had not really gone to find any data to support it until this week. And here's what I ran into. This is an article that was in fortune.com. Um, it was written, I believe in January of 2022. And it says in November, the U S department of agriculture's food at home index, which includes grocery store or supermarket food purchases rose 6.4% over the previous year. And here's where it gets kind of crazy. According to the index, the prices of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs include increased 12.8%. And it goes on to say that it was driven by domestic and international demand, labor shortages, supply chain disruptions, high feed and other input costs. So that's significant. Like more than 10, like all kind of, you could say closer to 15% than 10% Mm -hmm. increase on our protein. Yeah. You know, I mean, for most people who are omnivorous families, they're eating a lot of those, a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's kind of led to weird things like around here. We have a chicken wing shortage. I'm not sure if that's everywhere. So you told me this when we did week of real life dinners and I talked about how we often do wings as a family dinner. We call it wings and things. And you said, have you noticed a, a wing shortage? And I said, well, no, we haven't. But since then, um, our favorite pizza takeout ordering place also has wings and they were just out like they just yeah. you just didn't have them. So, yeah, strange, strange things afoot. For yes. Sure. <laughs> or a wing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, oh, boy. Nice. Um, OK, so today we are going to talk a lot about I, I would say mostly about money saving strategies for our groceries and food consumption. There are other ways to save money in the kitchen, but you know, even just last fall, we did um, a a really fun episode on sustainability in the kitchen, which touched also on some money saving. So I think we're going to focus pretty heavily on groceries today, just because that is the lion's share of what's happening in our kitchen. And these food prices are, uh, are like on everybody's they're affecting everybody. I, I, you know, you know, I love my disclaimers. Just, just a gentle. I was going to make a disclaimer. I want to do it this time. Okay. You do it. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you guys all know we're like, we're not experts on budgeting, right? So I, I hope this is the same disclaimer you were going to make, Sarah. We did nope, not plan. I'm a different one. Our dis- okay, so <laughs> here's our my disclaimer. Is, but I think this is actually a strength in this episode because there are people out there who are amazing at like coupon clipping and budgeting and like having like really nitty gritty advice for that. And I think you're going to find that we're more at the like, we're going to give it the old college try end mm-hmm. of the spectrum. So we're probably going to give you ideas you you might not have thought of, or maybe you've, you've known about them because they're not rocket science, but you haven't tried to implement them in your life yet. Or maybe you haven't had enough experience shopping for a family yet to yeah. really implement them. So it's like that real life, been there, done that. Um, we've tried this and that, but I don't think anyone's mind is going to be blown. Like, no, um, nothing we're going to offer up today, I don't think is something you couldn't figure out with some research. I just think it's interesting to hear how it plays out in people's real families. I think so too. And I, I often appreciate hearing uh, tried and true advice that I've heard before, but if I hear it from people I know or people I trust, and maybe we are them for you, um, then it's like, oh, right. Like there's a reason that, you know how we always say like, there's a reason some things are cliched advice. It's because yeah. hey, they work. So yeah, we'll be giving, we'll be giving a lot of tips today that you've probably already heard, but maybe it's the nudge you need to, you know, get back to them in your own spending. My disclaimer was just going to be a reminder that uh, food spending is very regional and it's very Mm -hmm. values based. And so when we talk about things like um, buying organic or not, buying grass fed proteins or not, buying meat at all and, and consuming meat at all or not, just a reminder that we leave space for every possible kind of food values that may exist out in you listeners' homes that may be different from ours. And of course that's going to trickle into spending. So, you know, you you have to take it and then um, make it work or not for what's important to your family. And and we try to do that with zero judgment for anybody else's way of eating and feeding their family. Absolutely. I love that we have do like dueling, (laughs) (laughs) dueling disclaimers, but they do support one another. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. 
Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Megan. So before we even get to actionable tips, uh, let's get real about our own uh, like Achilles heels when it comes to food spending. So I'm curious, like, what are the areas of spending money on food that can get out of hand in your house if you don't keep an eye on it? And that could be anything like food waste. It could be like ordering takeout more than you'd like, buying more than you need. There's so many different uh, pitfalls sounds judgmental, but you know what I mean? Like what, what are the potential weaknesses in your system where things could get really out of hand? Yeah. So I, I mentioned this, um, when we were in our intro and I think for me, the biggest problem is I still haven't quite figured out how to shop for whatever family situation I have right now, which has changed dramatically over the last five years. I went from having, you know, five kids under my roof, five and many of them teenagers, mm-hmm. and to now all the time, right? Yeah. To having those same five kids under my roof half the time. Then I was down to four. Then I was back to five. Then I was down to four. Then I was back to five. <laughs> now I'm down to three. <laughs> but those three kids have also gotten older and now they're off doing their own thing. So like they have jobs and friends and they're not always home for dinner. So like all that fluctuation has made my ability to control what's happening difficult. And, um, I used to be great at like, I would just cook, you know, three big meals a week, let's say. And then I would just keep serving the food over and over until it was gone. And, And it was like a really effective way to manage waste, to manage mess, like the mess in my fridge. That's all like out the window now because I have the kids some weeks I have them two or three days. And some weeks I have them five days. Mm -hmm. So I keep going back and forth. But on the weeks that I have them five days, there could be like one kid gone two nights or the weeks that I only have them two or three days. I might have Will at the house because he's got, he's working. So he doesn't always go to his dad's on the days the other kids are. So he's like needing to be fed, but it's just like one person needing to be fed and I'm not cooking a big meal. 
it's all over the place. So I am now finding we're throwing stuff away again, mm-hmm. um, which drives me crazy. And I really hate doing that. But I just haven't quite gotten it under control yet. And I might just not like it. That's one of those things where it might just be constantly fluctuating until I guess they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the two other things I have, there kind of hard on myself is that I always forget to plan. I have a menu board on my fridge. I've had it up there since uh, the week I got separated or the week that we told the kids we were separating. Like as soon as that happened, I started keeping a board that said when they were with me, when they were with their dad, and it would have like the meals Mm -hmm. on it. And I've consistently forgotten to plan for myself. So like I'll get to the Wednesday they go to dad's and I'm like, oh, but I still have to eat. Right. And then it's like, did I leave myself any leftovers? Did I leave leftovers I actually want to eat? Or did Tuesday night I made something that was really for the kids and not even really for me. And so now I've got leftovers I don't want, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's that can lead to like, um, I think I've gotten better about this, but that can lead to going out to eat too much. I definitely went through that for a while. I also do a lot of like specialty shopping because I really love a good fancy cheese shop or a boutique Mm -hmm. shopping experience, like a little fresh food market. And that stuff can kind of get out of hand, too. So I I feel like it's actually feeding me. That's the Mm -hmm. problem at the moment. And also just dealing with the fluctuations of um, kids in and out of my house. It's just, it's really unpredictable right now. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, So the, the weaknesses that come to mind, um, takeout is, has become a big one and maybe it's a mindset shift that I need to make. It feels like to order takeout. First of all, we never used to do it ever. Our kids were little. We would just make some Mac and cheese for them and like heat up some leftovers for us. We weren't a big order in takeout family. Then the pandemic happened and supporting local restaurants and um, ordering takeout were both felt like a way to support local businesses, but also we weren't going out to eat um, right at all. So it sort of like substituted that. Okay. Well now fast forward, my kids are large. They eat a lot. They have real tastes and more expensive tastes. And to get like a DoorDash situation for my family costs a number that I don't even want to say out loud on the podcast. Like it is the, ridiculous. it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> yes. like, well, we could have gone out to like a nice restaurant or like something. This is so that feels gross to me for like just and again, a lot of this is emotion and values based. So just for me, it feels exorbitant to order takeout for my family. That said, I want to be a house where the occasional pizza night or surprising the kids by saying we're going to get takeout and supporting local restaurants is it, that does feel good. So I, I would say I feels like I need to get clear about the, both the options when it comes to takeout so that we can do it on occasion and not have that really yucky feeling. Like I just spent $150 or something like ridiculous. Um, and then also just like clarify what is important, like which, which value wins in this case. And maybe it's a mindset shift, like I said. Well, what I was going to say is, um, A, I hear you on DoorDash. I, in my limited experience, I think DoorDash's fees are the most exorbitant. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I had a conversation about this, like way early pandemic, about how a lot of businesses wouldn't even work with DoorDash because yeah. they were not prepared for the amount of money DoorDash took. And like the business model is really not very pro small business. That yeah. might've changed. Yeah. They may have changed their policies, but that at least two years ago, that's what I was hearing from my local community. And a lot of places in my local community were coming up with their own options that mm-hmm. were much more affordable and better for their, for them, yeah. like better for their people. So there's that. And if, and if you look at it that way, it's no different than having pizza delivered to your house where there's always like a delivery charge and a tip along with it. It's just that when it's so much money, yeah. Um, it just feels ridiculous. And I had an experience not too long ago where Owen was like begging for Taco Bell. He'd been begging for Taco Bell for, I don't know. It's like his favorite vice. And mm-hmm. I finally said, honey, you can have it tonight, but I, I honestly don't have time to run out and get it. I think maybe, maybe we had a meeting like late in the day or something. And I was like, look, this, I know DoorDash is not something I like to do, but I'm just going to let you go ahead and DoorDash. You can get Taco Bell. So I gave him my credit card and I came back down after finishing up whatever. And he, and I said, did you order? And he said, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Oh my gosh. He said, did, do you know how expensive this is, mom? And I said, well, yes, that's why we don't do it. And he said, I just couldn't. 
He's like, I couldn't do it. It was just too much. So if you don't want to go, we'll just make something else. I was like, wow. So even my 16 year old. With your credit card. With my credit card. It wasn't like his own money. Yeah, I know. He just like on principle, he couldn't. And I do also think just one other thing to kind of round that thought out. If that's your only option and you really do have to pay that really hefty fee, the way I've kind of made peace with it, like every now and then when that happens is thinking of it almost like some kind of like buying the thing that you can just buy in a mass quantity and have for days. So like Mm -hmm. a big thing of lasagna Mm -hmm. or something, right? Like it's not like a everyone's getting their own individual $10 meals. Right. Which is the stage of life my kids think they're in. Like we're in this weird stage where like. Yeah, their appetites are bigger, but they are in this in this area. They are a bit entitled because they've had a taste of what it's like to like, you know, go order a burger and fries at a restaurant or whatever. So it's like it's been really hard to get that toothpaste back in the tube with the as they've grown and their their appetites and tastes have expanded. Yeah. 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 Um, Another one that's I'm sure people can relate to is just inventory management. So I I think. Food waste, we tend to talk about proteins, the the stuff that goes bad, like proteins and fresh produce and stuff. I actually think in my family, one of our weaknesses is shelf-stable inventory management, things like condiments, salad dressings, um, dry goods. And, and part of it is the same children. I am throwing my children under the bus, <laughs> not more than a little lovingly, bit. Lovingly, lovingly under a little the bus. Bit here. Um, they are older. They're quite opinionated about the way they like their food. And the cool part is they're much more, they experiment much more, like they try new things, but they like, they have really specific opinions about like what type of hot sauce. Well, someone likes this type of dip and someone likes this type of guacamole and it, it makes, and then we, we've just like gotten into the habit of filling our cupboards and our fridge with everyone's favorite things. And again, this, like, as, as I'm listening to myself, it's possibly just like uh, Sarah needs a little bit of a mindset shift, but it does, it does involve more spending because we are often yeah. buying one kid's type of salsa and another kid's like shape of pasta that they really like. And, you know, when I look at the cupboards, it feels like, gosh, there's a lot of redundancy here. And when you get into redundancy, as everybody knows, it's very hard to keep track of what you have. So like that minimalist part of me wishes like, okay, burn it all down. Well, this is the type of mm. noodles we buy. <laughs> this is the type of red right. sauce we buy. Um, and I think that's, it is directly related to, uh, the bottom line because we end up buying more and then losing track of what we have, which then leads to buying more. I remember going through a stage where Owen only really wanted, I believe it was, I'm pretty sure it was Owen. He's got very specific preferences. I think he only wanted the wheel shaped pasta <laughs> and that's just a really specific it's pasta very shape. Specific. Yeah. So I believe that became like a, a, ro- a rotating kids choice thing. Mm -hmm. Like you only got to pick the pasta shape like every third week or something (laughs) like it was somehow part of the rotation. And the kids got really good at remembering. Now I feel like they've all kind of come together on certain preferences. They've all like solidified around them Mm -hmm. and have. And I think that that's something that happens in families as the kids, as like one kid gets older and becomes the more of the leader. Mm -hmm. It's like they get to dictate what the family's preference now it has Mm. become. And I've really benefited from that now with like legit teenagers in the house. Right. Like Will kind of runs, like he sort of tells you, he's the tastemaker. Let's he's just like, we get way. Tostitos. That is the type of chips we get. End yes, of story. Exactly. Thank you for and coming for my TED talk. <laughs> and the other kids kind of go along with it. They're like, oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We yeah. totally agree. You're very wise. <laughs> we, stage, have, so. we have a running joke that like as mothers and I do this and my mom does this, like we can never remember who likes what, like I, my brain is too oh. full to remember like who like, so I'll like put out pineapple for like to cut up for the school lunches. And this, the one kid will always be like, mom, I don't like pineapple. I've told you. I'm like, I, I can't, I don't I know. I cannot. Two out of three, like everything. That's like the best we get in my family is two out of three agree. And then there's an odd person out, but it's, I, I cannot keep track. I'm sure you can't well, either. And no, and, and my kids get like kind of offended by it. Like I told <laughs> yeah. you so many times, I don't like mayonnaise on my sandwich. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you ever see how many of you there are? <laughs> and then with the other thing is them outgrowing tastes and then not really outwardly telling me. So the other yeah. day, Owen used to always be my melon and cucumber eater. He loved melon. Like he would come home and go through a pile of melon. And if I ever sliced up a veg, like a soft veg, he would eat it. And so I had sliced up a cucumber and had it sitting out. And he's like, oh, hey, a cucumber. And I, I said, oh, I, 
that's for you. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. I was like, I know how you love cucumber. And he said, mom, I'm not really into the cucumber thing anymore. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean you're not into the cucumber thing? Like, is, like, is that that world, that cucumber life? It's not for me. Yeah, I've outgrown I, that. I've outgrown that. Like, you know, I like that journey for you, but not for me. I, I was just like, okay, well, it's already cut. Can you just eat it? Right. And then I'll try to remember not to buy it for you again. But man, it's been like 10 years I've been buying you cucumbers. So like, it might take a while. Reframe, re rethink my entire last decade. Exactly. It, it just <laughs> reminds me, I'm not going to remember where I saw this recently, but it's like a classic thing that people make fun of. Americans for is like you walk into our grocery store and there are 47,000 types of salad dressing and you get just to the ranch section and there are like 16 different varieties of ranch and 12 Caesar dressings. And, um, yeah. I just think my, my house has become a little bit of that cliche is that the, the children know how many options there are. And, um, yeah, it does, it, it impacts the bottom line and there are parts of me that just wants to like, like I said, burn it all down and start back with like a generic one thing of everything. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So then one more kind of like set the stage question here and I can go first, but let's just both talk about what is the actual method by which we track our food spending if we do. And I think it's okay to just say like, well, I just kind of keep an eye on it or I, I don't track it, but there's many ways as we know, um, from spreadsheets to apps. Um, and so let's talk about how we keep an eye on our food spending. Um, and for me, it is definitely more in the like spidey sense category rather than like a formal process. But one thing that helps is I do the weekly grocery shopping at Trader Joe's. I have done that for many, many years, same store, same frequency about once a week. Um, and so I have a really good sense for what a typical haul is going to cost. And like, if I, if the number that they announced at the register was like more than usual or less than usual. I I can almost drill in on why very quickly. Like we don't, I don't buy a lot of wine at Trader Joe's, but if I picked up a couple bottles of wine, that's going to make it a little bit more. We don't get very many of our proteins there because we do butcher box, but like if we did, that would make it more or less, et cetera. So I would say um, the consistency of the place and the frequency and the fact that it's always me means that I just have a good sense for what that weekly number is. Um, I also try to, this is just a personal preference, but I really like having a separate grocery store, uh, which for me is Trader Joe's, rather than a Costco or a Target or a Walmart where you might be getting like shampoo, toilet paper, like you've, you've talked about your CVS. Like it, I just have found that clouds my, um, that clouds the spidey sense since I am not relying on like an exact breakdown line by line. It's confusing to me if I go spend a couple hundred bucks at target and you know, half that was groceries and the other half was like furniture and decor or something. So it's, <laughs> it's felt simpler to me to have a dedicated grocery trip once a week. Um, and I was actually just listening to, didn't I just feed you an older episode of theirs where their Megan talked about actually saving her grocery receipts for, I think just a limited period of time. And I really liked that idea because it feels like it would take, take this general sense that I have and put some hard numbers behind it. Because even when you think you have a pretty good sense, you know, we can be wrong. Doesn't mean you have a totally accurate picture of what's going on. So I might actually implement that if I changed nothing else. I think saving those receipts for a few weeks would be very informative. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, I, first of all, I am completely on board with like keeping groceries, groceries and other items, toiletries and paper products and things like that separate, because that is one of those things that can, you know, I'm not buying toilet paper every single week, for example, right. or sometimes I need it midweek. Right. So if I was mixing that in with grocery shopping, it would be on a different interval. And I would, I have in the past done that and it, I find it very difficult to keep track of. So, um, I'm team separating those out as well. And I would say that I go through phases. Sometimes I am like a hundred percent in my ship shopping phase. And sometimes I'm like, no, I think right now I just have a little window in my, um, in my, but not my budget in my schedule or it's summer mm -hmm. and I don't mind carrying groceries in as much right now yeah. because it's not cold out. Like I find that I go through like seasonal stages, waves, um, how much like my kids are available and around to help with things during the day In the summer, it's more, I've got more grocery haulers. Like some of those things kind of subtly play into how the, those, um, routines work out. The thing that helps me the most of the same routine. So mm -hmm. when I'm in my hundred percent ship shopping routine and I'm every 
Monday, have a shipped order getting dropped off. I'm going back and looking at what I bought last time, how mm-hmm. much it cost. Um, I'm really replicating orders week to week. I might swap out the proteins or like, I don't know, have a different grain with dinner or something like that or different veggie depending on what's on sale. But the bulk of it is exactly the same week to week. Now, absolutely, when I ship shop, I spend more because I everything costs more. There's like a fee associated and I tip. I tip really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I have 100% clarity around what I'm getting and what it costs and what parts are repeatable. And there's zero impulse purchasing. So I actually don't know if overall it costs me more than if I was running out to like the local supermarket to do my shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more than if I was shopping Aldi every single week, but I find that hard to do anyway, because there's usually stuff that I need to go elsewhere for. So I, I feel like it helps me keep a really good handle on things, um, even though it's not the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. So even in person though, like the kinds of, like the kinds of impulse shopping I would do tend to be more things like, ooh, I feel like making this um, fun dish and I don't have any of the stuff or any of the spices or the special oil or like this, the pine nuts or whatever. And and then I end up like randomly spending on this one meal, but that yeah. might only happen every now and then. Or like I mentioned before, going out and getting the special cheese and the fancy crackers and things like that. And that doesn't happen all the time either. To me, those are almost entertainment costs. Yeah. Like yeah. they almost have nothing to do with my groceries they're like a separate thing. Or if I'm like, Oh, I'm going to run out and get the kids sushi. I don't do that very often. Um, but when I do, it's like, I, I do it knowing that it's outside the norm and I am doing it separately from my regular grocery shopping so that I, I don't somehow internalize that. Oh, now this is how much I spend. Right. Right. I'm still only spending the amount I need to spend. Um, and I've gotten much better about getting everything I need in one trip and not having one of those like middle of the week, run out to the grocery store. And how did I spend $75? I yeah. thought I was just picking up milk, like yeah. one of those. So I don't know. I think that it's one of those things that it works while it's working, but every now and then I will be like, oh, it's time to buy a 30 pound de- you know, bag of dog food. And I'm going to grab it at the grocery store, even though usually I'd go to a different store for it. So now my, my, you know, my receipt is off and why, yeah. and I I'm not great. I don't really budget going forward for groceries. It's more retrospective and I could probably be better about like actually using those numbers mm-hmm. to mean something like I know them, but they don't, they don't mean anything. Right. Well, yeah. and back to the rising cost of the rising costs of food, like we said, it, the creep is a lot harder to pin down when it's happening gradually. And it sounds yeah. like both of us are using that, like, um, that just kind of mom sense about yeah. it, which it can be really, it can serve really well. Um, but it's limited in that, like, yeah. if there's a 2% creep every two months and then all of a sudden, like, we're at that 12.8% that <laughs> on yeah. our meats and stuff that that was like, whoa, what what happened? So, well, yeah. and it's easy not to notice it for a while, um, like you said, for, but for a few reasons. So I can have a weird, um, like a weirdly accurate memory for very specific numbers. So I'll get it in my head, say that I can get a chuck roast for three eighty nine a pound if I watch for sales. And then maybe that doesn't happen for a while, but I wasn't eating chuck roast for a while. For whatever reason, I was buying something else um, or they just never went on sale and I just didn't pay attention. And then, like I said before, like one day I'm like, wait a second. It's been like a year and a half since it's even been under $5. Huh, something is going on, right? So it's, it, but that's like a lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It doesn't tell me what I need to know that on that shopping trip. It's right. like, four shopping trips later when I'm realizing, man, it's been a long time since I've seen, uh, eggs on a, on a decent sale Mm -hmm. or milk at a price that I thought wasn't ridiculous. So there's that. And, and another thing that's, I think telling for like the way I shop and the way it plays out in my family is that, um, how overall food spending works in my family is a lot less tied to what I spend during the trip and is much more tied to like, how efficiently we use what I buy. Yeah. I'm yep. totally okay spending a little more if it all gets eaten happily. I agree. But if I'm, it doesn't really matter how much I'm spending if I'm throwing a bunch of it away or, you know, then yep. I feel bad about it no matter what it is. So yeah. it's all, those are all indicators that I could be planning better. Yep. I co-signed those, th- that last comment, especially, um, it's very similar to how I feel. 
We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So we are back. And hopefully last week, everybody saw that on our blog at themomhour.com, our contributor, Sarah Limberg had an awesome write-up of budget resources that she has used. Some of them were Instagram accounts. Some of them were podcasts or apps that she uses I learned a ton from that post. So that led me to a little swipe through Insta post, Megan, that I thought we could just use as a framework for this part of the episode. Um, and this is this is recent and specifically budgeting tips to address recent food uh, price increases. So this is exactly what we're talking about today. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of these are tips that we've all heard before, but some of us are wanting to refocus on. Um, so, and we'll of course link to this. It's an Instagram swipe through at the budget mom is, um, her handle, but here are the tips meal plan, because turns out when we have a plan for the week, we waste (laughs) less food and we can actually plan to spend accordingly in those areas. Shopping generic. I could be way better about this, like not needing those name brand, um, you know, name brand things. Um, doing like a weekly $5 dinner was, was her suggestion. I think that could be any weekly challenge where you decide that like one night a week is going to be, you keep it under a certain dollar amount or you go meatless or whatever. Um, utilizing leftovers. I know we're going to both talk a bit about that. Um, being mindful about proteins. And this is something I've heard you talk about, Megan, that could, that could mean eating less protein overall. It could mean doing a meatless night. It could be just like, having the meat be less of a main star of the meal. Um, And then she recommends watching those weekly sales, like the weekly flyers can can really be effective. Um, And then just kind of the last couple of tips are more mindset things about being realistic about what you're actually going to cook and eat this week. Um, And also being realistic about the cost of food so that maybe it's maybe we acknowledge that there is going to be a bump up in our food budget while we ride out this inflation bubble that we're in. And maybe there are other areas of our budget that we could actually, you know, tackle, you know, tackle or do something about. So that was kind of the overview of the little slide through. And I'm curious if any of these jumped out to you as things that either you are already doing well or that you'd like to do better. Um, 
I think all of these things are things I've either done or like I'm either doing now or have been part of my budgeting you know, process in the past. I think it's interesting that when you and I were like making note of our tips and things that we'd share, I didn't mention meal planning because now like meal planning has become such an essential part of how I run my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't even think of it as a way to save money anymore. But it completely, if without it, all I would do is go out to eat. Yeah, exactly. So it's become so second nature for me that I don't think of it as like a tactic anymore. I just think of it as what I do, not only for money, but to just make my life run better. But that's like the beginning. It is. The meal planning is where it all starts, right? It is. Absolutely. Um, That's one where I've, I've shared on the podcast that Brian and I have gotten way better about meal planning in the last few years, um, since the pandemic, probably since he's been home more to actually cook the dinners. Um, but what we're not great about is meal planning. Like it's, I feel like we have like an 80, 20, like we get 80% of the way there. And then they're just still feels like there are some last minute decisions, like those expensive takeout nights and stuff. So it's just an area I feel like I could always be a little better in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we could just go down this list cause they're all great tips Yeah, in generic. That's one of those things too, where that does not anymore have to be any kind of a sacrifice really. Like every major grocery chain has their own store brands mm-hmm. and most of them are sourced like right alongside or sometimes from the same manufacturers mm-hmm. as the brand names. And like, they're good. You know, my kids like to make fun of the the silly cereal names that sound like they're ripping off like <laughs> the commercially like the brand names, but they're, you know, they've gotten really good. It used to be like when I was a kid, remember those white boxes with the black letters? No. The generics really looked generic. Okay. It was like you would they almost went out of their way to make them ugly or something. I don't know <laughs> what it was, but it would literally be just like a white box with black letters and that was like no pictures. Okay. Nothing. That was the generic. Um and now they have their own branding and they're yeah. really cute. And I mean, and I, we can thank places like Aldi mm-hmm. for making it cool to shop store brands, which yeah. generic and store brand are like the same thing. So well, I was going to, I'm glad you said that because I was going to jump in for those who aren't Trader Joe's shoppers, but it's one of the things that is really like removes the mental gymnastics of when I, of shopping at a place like that is everything is Trader Joe's brand with a few exceptions. Like they have some of the yogurt, they have some yogurt brands. There are a few things where you you will recognize a non Trader Joe's brand, but very, very few. And everything is very reasonably priced. So you're not looking. I remember looking at the big box grocery stores at like that price per ounce because the pricing yeah. and the size gets so confusing. So you're like, okay, I need an apples to apples comparison here. And it just can be, it can be overwhelming. So I appreciate that about like almost a whole store that is generic or that at least has removed those choices. But where I could be better about shopping generic is those like, is more of the paper goods and things like that. It just is like, it's just a retraining sometimes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, and sometimes you do have to do a little trial and error. So, you know, there's been times when I'm thinking, okay, I just don't trust this generic brand, the store brand of, I don't know, toilet paper mm-hmm. or the store brand of um, something I've never tried before. I don't know what it is. And sometimes they're not a total win. Like I'm still a little bit particular about peanut butter. I'm mm-hmm. still a little bit particular about a few things, but most of the time they're fine. So mm-hmm. you do sometimes have to do a little trial and error. And then if you don't want to waste, if you don't want to waste it, then find another use for it. Like right. whatever the thing is that you've got. Sarah, I just sent you a picture on your Voxer. You have to look at it right now. We have to put this in the show notes. I'm pulling it up. This is legitimately what generic packaging used to look like. I don't know how I missed this. Okay. And, well, maybe. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that it's. we'll share it in the show notes. And it was truly like, like if you walked out of the store with your cart full of that, it was embarrassing. Sure. It meant like your family is poor. Yeah. And, you know, I remember at times like my mom going, but they're the same. And I'm like, I am not checking out with you. I'm going to be hiding <laughs> in the like frozen section. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> so funny. Um, OK, what about this weekly five dollar dinners? Is this ever something that you have tried or would try? I'm intrigued. So I wouldn't say that I've ever gone like I've never kind of like put it quite like that. I yeah. do remember early blogging days. There was, I think there was a website called $5 dinners or $5 meals or the $5 mom, something like that. And so it was like a bloggy challenge thing. Yeah. 
And so sometimes I would like look at her recipes and go, yeah, I can make that. And I had the recipe, uh, I had the book $10 Dinners that was written by Melissa D. Arabian, who is mm -hmm. on the Food Network. And I still re refer to that book because it is good ideas for just like putting out a really inexpensive meal. I think often those $5 dinners are aimed at families of four, which I have not been since, I mean, yeah. I don't even remember. It's yeah. been decades. Uh -huh. So um, I think for me, instead of thinking of it like as a $5 dinner is more like, Tonight, we're just going to have a super cheap meal. And so yes. for us, that might look like um, ziti with like, so you've got a, you know, a packet, like you've got a thing of ziti noodles. You've got a tube of so Italian sausage, mm -hmm. some tomato paste and tomato, crushed tomatoes mm -hmm. and some mozzarella cheese. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's basically less than $10, usually depending mm -hmm. on how much everything else costs. And that will feed all of my kids for two days. Yeah. So I think of it more like that, not so much like I'm setting up to spend $5, but like one day this week, we're going to have a really cheap meal. And it really does go a long way to spread the costs out, you yeah. know, like over the week. So, yeah. 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 And I, I haven't really ever thought of it in these terms either, but I know we're going to talk about food waste and leftovers next. So for me, it what it would more look like is we are cleaning out the fridge and eating everything that already exists, even if that looks like like a really weird hodgepodge. So yeah. we, we're pulling out, we're cutting up fruits and veggies for like a cheese platter. We're cutting up like that last bit of cheese that's still perfectly good. But why is it still like, why, you know, why is like two ounces of this random kind of cheese sitting in there? So it's more using what we've got is kind of how I've framed like doing a cheap, a cheap night. But I, I do really like the idea of, um, almost from a culinary perspective, like what are the meals that our family really enjoys that truly cost very, very little? So I'm going to keep thinking on that one. I think that would be a good challenge for us. All right. Well, leftovers are one of my favorite things. I don't, I don't have a problem <laughs> using leftovers because I love leftovers, but you talk about how this has worked as a budget strategy for you over the years. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to my point yesterday, if in, in, or my point yesterday, my point that I just made yesterday. <laughs> we've, been, we've been recording for hours. Have we been recording for 24 hours? So what I was saying about, you know, making like something like a, like a big dish of ziti and then eating it twice. I actually find that sometimes the most cheap, the least expensive meals are also the ones that are the easiest to repurpose as leftovers. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because... Anytime you slop a bunch of stuff together in a and dish melt some cheese on top. and melt some cheese on top, it's usually pretty cheap and people want it again the next day. Whereas like, I don't know, steak might just not quite, it, it doesn't have quite the same appeal two days right. in a row. Another thing that we do leftovers like crazy is pork shoulder. And that's really inexpensive. Um, and you can have like a pork shoulder one day, it's just pork and veg. And then the next day it's carnitas or pork tacos. And then the next day it's barbecue sandwiches. And like, you can really stretch it out. And it also wasn't very expensive to begin with. So that's an interesting um, connection mm -hmm. between already sort of budget meals and the ability to utilize those leftovers. But I also just like to use them for the point of it. I, I actually mm -hmm. get a kick out of having a restaurant meal and taking just like a little bit of it home and mm -hmm. thinking of what I can do with it at home. Mm -hmm. um, is it going to get mixed up into like an omelet? Mm -hmm. Is it going to get, and that's like fun. It's like a hobby. Yep. It's not really, I mean, if I'm ordering a restaurant meal anyway, I'm either going to eat it or I'm not. It's probably not going to make that much difference in my overall food budget, but it's like on principle. And I know you and I both have strong feelings about food waste. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, so I guess I want to talk about the flip side of leftovers, which is that as your family grows, tastes change, kids eating habits change, what they bring for lunch or don't bring for lunch change. One thing I have noticed is the um, magical thinking about leftovers can actually be just as much of a trap as leftovers are on the other side, an opportunity. And we have definitely fallen into this of like, oh, let's make a big thing of pasta with red sauce or pasta, you know, buttered noodles. And then, you know, Violet will take some in her lunch and this and that. And then really I have ended up sometimes with leftovers that nobody is eating. So I just mm -hmm. think it's, it's always good to evaluate like, leftovers are a great way to stretch one meal into many as long as they are actually getting eaten. But what I have <laughs> right. noticed is sometimes in our house, we make more thinking how great it's going to be to have leftovers and then nobody wants the leftovers. And then that, that is, you have done yes. the opposite, right? So um, we've found ways around that. 
like when we do, we do burgers about once a week, cheeseburgers, and um, we do cook them all up and save them. And there are some people in my house who will actually just eat a leftover cheeseburger, microwave it, like put some ketchup on it and eat it. Other times not. you will not. I'm not I don't, one of those people. I don't nope. really love a leftover burger either. Yeah. You and I no both thanks. like, yeah. But um, <laughs> the other day I made quesadillas with, um, we were doing quesadillas like you know, however everybody wants, like make your own quesadilla, DIY quesadillas. And two of my children ate basically a cheeseburger quesadilla, which sounded so gross to me. But I, I took the very chilled patty that already had cheese on it. It had been grilled with, you know, I'd already had the cheese on it and I chopped it up really, really tiny and threw some additional cheese in there and they were so happy. So I guess with leftovers, it's continuing to stay on top of creative ways to use them so that they actually get eaten and not just so that they're like, this thing you have in your fridge so you can say you've had you made enough for leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a big difference between making more of something than you think you usually would eat because you think everyone's going to want to go back for seconds and, um, making something that just kind of naturally is more than your family would eat. Does that make sense? Like, and then figuring out either, um, creative ways to repurpose it. So it doesn't look like Mm -hmm. leftovers, which we've talked a lot about on the show before. Like, taking that protein and serving it with a different side or, you know, taking the meat and chopping it up in little bits and mixing it up with rice. Like it it seems like a whole new thing, but it's actually a leftover, right? It's like, we still have to do a little creative work to transform it. If it's not the kind of thing someone's likely to go back for. Another thing I do this a lot with breakfast type foods is um, it's not exactly leftovers, but it's sort of like, I'm going to make this and then just leave it sitting out all day and you all can just eat it mm-hmm. as you walk around. So that would work really well with something like, um, like waffles mm-hmm. or even sausage links. I mean, those things are like preserved within an inch of their mm-hmm. life. And once they're cooked, I will leave them sitting on the Island and people will just eat them as they walk by. Like, yeah. and then at the end of the day, if they're all gone, I'm happy. Like right. I'm not going to be mad because the kid ate it standing up right. instead of sitting down at breakfast. Like we all sat down, maybe it didn't get finished. But now this food is just, it's just out and yep. eat it. If, once it gets put in the fridge, if you don't have a plan, it's death. Yeah, I think that's, that is my point that there's got, there's still an element of planning to really make those stretch. Yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about proteins because I would really like to be a family who eats a little less from the animal protein department yeah. and yet we are not. So this is an area where I'm probably just at odds with the other adult in my house. Um, but I know a lot of families are doing meatless Mondays or making, making animal proteins, like the side show, not the main thing. So have you done any of this? No, not really. <laughs> maybe like maybe back in the days I, I, when I was making a lot of like stews and chilies and, um, soups and the the goal was to have like a pot of soup that we could all eat for two days or a pot mm-hmm. of chili. I would do things like double the beans and like cut down on the meat. Um, right. That would really help the, keep the, the price budget mom control. like has that exact same example that yeah. you're not like trying to go vegetarian necessarily. You're just stre- right. stretching that to feed more people or more days or whatever. Well, and when I had five kids, you know, at home, that wasn't just a nice idea. That was necessary because if I made chili, for example, like a, like a, not even just like a ground beef chili, but like steak chili or, um, or if I made stew with, you know, stew meat, like stew meat doesn't really go that far. And if you make it to the, to the recipe you find that's made for four people, (laughs) you will spend $10 and have enough chili for, or enough, you know, stew for everyone to have for four people to have one bowl. Well, that's not going to work for my family. So I would end up using the same amount of meat and the recipe and, and like doubling everything else. And I would chop it up really small, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yes, I guess I've done some of that. Um, uh, something I think I do more often now because we're just more of a protein eating family and I'm specifically trying to eat more protein in my diet is I am trying to get better about learning how to cook other cuts of meat than I usually would. And that's, this is something I'm not just trying now. Like I've been doing this for years. It's a very gradual skill set. Like it's mm-hmm. very like over the years, I've gone from only being able to cook like, um, chicken breast to being really good with chicken thighs and, um, split like the, you know, where you buy the whole breast and it's mm-hmm. like split, um, or a whole chicken, like things like that. Or, um, instead of just knowing how to pork, uh, cook a pork tenderloin, I could do a pork loin roast, which is a different cut. 
a pork shoulder. I don't really like pork chops, but if they were on a really good sale, maybe I would do that. I've gotten much more adept at figuring out the difference between different cuts of beef, which mm-hmm. took me a while because well, a lot of them- got a quarter cow, right? I We've did get a quarter cow, yeah. yeah. And a lot of them like, I guess I really didn't understand for a long time, like what the difference was between like a brisket and a roast or like a, um, like a Swiss steak, a round steak, and like a steak you'd actually order at a restaurant. Like those right. things I had to kind of learn and I'm still not perfect. Um, my next thing will be fish. Like I really do not have a good handle on cooking any kinds of seafood except salmon and shrimp. And I'd like to get better at that. But I, I also think there's so much you can do with um, frozen meats, with frozen seafood, canned seafood. Mm-hmm. Like you can make really good tuna burgers or salmon patties. Like all of those things are available and you don't have to buy, you don't have to spend butcher case prices. Mm-hmm. So, so, so for me, it hasn't really been like reducing the protein so much as just like learning more so that I can be more creative and shop the cheaper cuts. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, what about weekly sales flyers? So I admit I have no, like very little experience here in shop being a Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's ha- does have their fearless flyer where they like talk about what's new in the store. And like, I don't feel like it's really a sale though. Maybe Trader Joe's um, fans will correct me there. Maybe. I mean, I think I, I know prices do go up and down at Trader Joe's just like everywhere else. But do you look at those weekly sales flyers? So this is something that when, when I was like a newer mom or I guess a newer, like setting up housekeeping, young married person, I was very like religious. Like I would get it in the paper mm-hmm. or in the mail yeah. and I would like spread it out and write down all the prices and calculate how much I thought it was going to be. Well, over the years, I've just gotten really good at shopping. You know, yeah. I've got a lot of experience under my belt. So what I tend to do now is I will go in, if I'm going into the store in person, I go in with like somewhat of a plan where I kind of know what, what my purchases are going to look like or what I'm hoping to make for the week. And then when you walk into the grocery store, they mount, they post them on the wall. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I just go right to the meat and the produce and the dairy, because those are the three things I'm going to get anyway. And the prices swing the most, like what I decide about those three things is really going to shape the rest of it. Mm -hmm. The rest of the stuff, like Okay, if I get to the cereal aisle and one cereal's on sale and the other one's not, I'll just get the one that's on sale. It's mm-hmm. I'm not it's not that big of a deal, but you know, the meat might dictate the might dictate the protein or vice mm-hmm. versa. So, yeah. um and I'll be like, "Ooh, okay. I didn't realize this was going to be on sale." Cool. And the way my grocery store that I usually shop is, you you go through this like serpentine situation that takes you past all the expensive stuff first. So you go mm-hmm. past the the deli case and the fancy cheese and all that stuff and through the past the bakery and um, then you end up in produce and it kind of winds through and then you're at meat. So as long as I don't forget, like it's really hard to forget between produce and meat because they're right close to each other. Mm-hmm. So I just do those two things first. I go and I hit, you know, the produce and maybe something is on sale. But when I get there and look at it, it doesn't look good. I don't want it anymore. So now I have to change. And then I and then if I get to the meat and I'm not happy with the meat selection to go with the pro, the produce I bought, it's not. I can still go back and switch it out. Right. I'm not that far away. Right. And then everything else just kind of falls into place. So, so yes. And when I'm, if I'm shopping shipped or doing any online, I just do the internet version of that. Like they make it really easy to see what's on sale. Mm-hmm. And that often does change my decision in the moment. Or I'll look at my past. Like it'll say things you've bought before. It, it makes it really mm-hmm. nice and easy to do that. And I'll just skim through and be like, oh, that's on sale. That's on sale. That's on sale. And then those are the things I pick. So yes. I do, but not the way I used to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Anything, any other tips that we didn't cover? First of all, this, um, this little swipe through from the budget mom was super helpful. And again, we will link that up so you can all go follow her on the Insta. Um, but anything else that didn't come out, Megan, as we went through the budget mom's tips? Yeah. These are two things that I think, even if they're not part of your like weekly routine, just as a periodic refresh or reset, it's a really good idea to do both of those, these things. So one is, um, periodic and by periodic, I mean like quarterly or every six months, I am not talking like weekly or even monthly, but like a complete freezer and pantry inventory and clean out Yeah, all the way. There is going to be stuff lurking in there that you have no idea. Um, some of it might still be usable, some not, but it still gives you 
information, like useful information that you need to have. And you might be like, wow, I have three um, containers of cinnamon. So it looks like there's going to be a lot of cinnamon Mm -hmm. in my future, right? Um, Getting really, and just kind of on that note, when I was talking about getting good at like subbing proteins or learning how to cook with new proteins, like learning how to sub spices is also Mm -hmm. a really good idea. Like basically learning how to on the fly, take that stuff that you find when you're doing your clean out and actually use it. Yeah. Those are skills worth having because not everything has to go to waste that you think. And if you've been doing like um, HelloFresh or some other kind of, you know, meal service, mm-hmm. you've probably got little packets of seasonings and little packets of grains and things like that in your pantry. You can use those. Yeah. Like you're allowed to use those. All you have to do is kind of have an idea of how they taste. Try it out. Maybe you're not going to love it, but, um, you know, you might and you might find something like a pleasant surprise. At the very worst, maybe you're going to have one meal that isn't, isn't amazing. Okay. Well, and it's so satisfying <laughs> to have, I see people do that with their beauty products too. And I think I mentioned mm-hmm. it last week. That's like a buy nothing challenge. Like, let me just use, like you said, it might not be the best meal I've ever had, but there's something so satisfying about using what you've got in, before going out and purchasing something else. Yeah. I do do my fridge resets about weekly, mm-hmm. you know, to me, like your fridge is harboring things you need to deal with. <laughs> like, we don't want secrets there. No, no. And you need to deal with that sooner rather than later. And and sometimes there's pleasant surprises in there. Like sometimes you shove something out of the way and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like this is still good. I forgot it existed. Or I remember that fancy cheese. One of the kids took it out of the cheese drawer and stuck it somewhere else. And I forgot I had it. It's still there. Like what a surprise. I And I, I always get like, it's delighted. It's delightful to me. It mm-hmm. also makes me kind of irritated when I throw things away, when I realize something got missed and didn't get you know, use to the fullest, but still better to know that Mm -hmm. than to let it just kind of rot away in the back of your fridge. So I I do recommend the fridge clean out like much more, much, much more often. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing, and this is just, again, I'm not always doing super bargain shopping. Like I'm not always going to places like Costco or Aldi. I don't have a Trader Joe's, but that would be like the, you know, your version of an Aldi, but every now and then it's great to do that because it can really give you a great perspective about how much more or less you could be spending. Like when you just, even if it's just once every couple of months, whenever I go shop at Aldi, I'm like, wow, food can really be a lot cheaper than what I'm currently spending. And then it becomes the, it's like, it's okay to make the decision to shop differently for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. whether it's like supporting a local store or because they have versions of things that you'd like better at your supermarket or because you're in a like time is money kind Mm -hmm. of a place in life where you just don't have the time or whatever, but it's good to keep making that choice consciously over and over and and not just fall into it. And that's where those reset shopping trips really help me. If I go to Aldi and I have to try really hard to spend more than 150 bucks, like I almost can't do it. Then I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. So then what does this teach me about how I'm currently shopping and do, should I change things or am I cool with the way I'm doing it now? And that's fine too. I so agree with that. And I would say it works at both ends of the spectrum. So like, for example, I have had a real chip on my shoulder about Whole Foods for a long time. Um, And then the more we used to live kind of near one and the more I'd stop in there for one thing or another, I'd see like, oh, okay, there actually are, there are the, there are generics or there are certain product categories that are no different than what I'm spending elsewhere. So I, I actually think that just occasionally mixing it up, even though at the beginning of this episode, I talked about it's helpful for my bottom line to do the same thing every week. I think I totally agree that opening your eyes to what's happening in other retailers can be really useful. And, um, I pulled this blog post from the financial diet, which was another one of Sarah Lindbergh's recommendations, um, that I will link up, but they did like a four week grocery challenge where the same writer. Now I do think this is a writer without a family. So shopping for like a one or two person household, but went to four different stores. I think it was Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, Aldi, and was one more that is, is around everywhere. Um, and just did their weekly grocery shopping in four different places and like blogged about it. And I thought it was fascinating to look at. So yeah, I love those like, like real life experiences when people do things. And the thing she bought would not work for my family. So it wasn't so much about the individual things, but just what is the experience of going through those different retailers? And, and like you said, we sometimes um, need the reminder that 
price points vary widely in both directions. And and sometimes even our perception isn't quite right. Well, and one more thing to add to that too. I think that sometimes your, your gut will be important, like important data for you. And so let's say you go to the store and you're perfectly happy with it. Like say it's Whole Foods for you. I haven't been, I haven't set foot in Whole Foods in a really long time. So I would be really speaking out of turn to say anything good or bad, but um, let's just say that the cost of granola bars at Whole Foods or like lunchbox snacks. Mm-hmm. Every time you go into Whole Foods, when you get to the lunchbox snacks part of, of the trip, you're just irritated <laughs> and like you're mad because it seems so exorbitant. Okay. Well, maybe then you go to Aldi and you drop 300 bucks on all year, like yeah. all of the snacks you will need all year. And then you don't go down that aisle at Whole Foods anymore. Yeah. That's acceptable. Like you can, you can take what works yep. out of a store experience and not shop the other aisles. You can avoid all of those middle aisles entirely Yep. and do that shopping somewhere else Yep. online. I mean, we have so many options. So that might be the best tip we've offered in 61 (laughs) minutes of recording this episode. (laughs) No, that's really, really smart, actually. Like, um, yeah, I love it. Well, good, because that's all I got. I didn't mean to be so surprised that it was a smart tip. No, I'm done now, though. That's it. <laughs> That's the episode, friends. Um, no, really, we are done. Uh, this was really fun. If you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to that. We went through room by room, like I said, and offered money-saving ideas for the rest of your house. Um, and on the blog this week, we have a post um, from Joanna that is also kind of about financial stuff. She talks about sitting down with her spouse regularly and how they look at their finances together and how that has been helpful to them in their marriage and in their budgeting. And so we want you to go check that out as well. Everything, when we talk about the blog, it's always at themomhour.com slash blog. And we will link up Joanna's post in the show notes for this episode as well. And Megan, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. So what are we going to be talking about on Sunday this weekend? Sarah's birthday. Yeah, we're going to talk for an hour about how my birthday is on Valentine's Day. No, we're talking about your dating life. <laughs> we are. Well, it's not even really a dating life anymore to speak of. It's like a, it's like the um, non-married, old married couple life. But I know people are curious and it seems like a good time to just do a little update about my special man friend. I love it. So that will be this Sunday's More Than Mom uh, coming up on Sunday, and it'll be really fun. So talk to everybody then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, -K E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P, and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.